0: Www.netivyah.org. Nativia www.netivyah.org Bible Instruction Ministry presents Teaching from Zion, Volume 24, August 2008 The Food of Redemption by Elizabeth Wakefield Many believers like to speak about the scarlet thread relating to the Messianic Redemption that runs throughout the entire Bible, and always points to God's ultimate plan of redemption for Israel and the world. This writer would like to propose that there are other patterns and lines running throughout God's Word as well, and one of them concerns food and eating. A little thought reveals many stories about eating, rules about food, miracles relating to food and parables and speeches about food that compose a sort of bread line that flows through the scriptures, often intertwining itself with the scarlet thread of redemption. It is because of the meeting of these lines that Yeshua can speak about the wedding feast of the Lamb as the ultimate symbol of a completed redemption and about Himself as the bread of life. Before we examine some examples of the places where these lines run together, here are two caveats. One, it is the common mistake of the Christian world to think that redemption is only spiritual and therefore has no physical aspects or implications. This is categorically untrue. On the other hand, just because it appears that God only redeems someone physically from death does not mean that there are no spiritual effects either. Physical and spiritual redemption are inseparably related to one another. See Romans 8. 2. For the purpose of this study, we will place stories about both eating and drinking in the same genre. Human survival demands drinking just as much as eating, and the Bible records many instances of deliverance through the provision of water. The first time we see the connection of food to redemption occurs in Genesis 14 when Abraham went to war to rescue his nephew Lot, who had been kidnapped. After saving Lot and defeating the armies who had taken him captive, Abraham was met by Melchizedek, a prototype of the Messiah according to Psalms and Hebrews, who brought him a celebratory symbolic meal of bread and wine. In Genesis 18, It was during a meal that Abraham hosted for three angelic guests that he was told that within the year Sarah would give birth to Isaac and begin the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham of a seed that would bring blessing and redemption to the whole world. Joseph was redeemed from prison and slavery in Egypt because of Pharaoh's dream about the upcoming famine that only Joseph could interpret. After he rose to power as Pharaoh's second-in-command, Joseph was able to deliver his entire family from the famine by giving them food and a place to live in Egypt. It was this redemption that allowed the Jewish people to continue and grow from a small group of 70 to an enormous population of over a million by the time of the Exodus. The slaughtering and eating of the Passover lamb played an integral part in the Exodus which not only involved the physical redemption of the Israelites from slavery to become a free people in their own land, but also their spiritual redemption, which took them from worshipping the idols of Egypt to the worship of the one true God. During the forty years of wandering in the wilderness, God constantly and miraculously provided manna from heaven, water from the rock, and quail to sustain his people and to keep them from starvation. He also did this to teach them about His great power, as the God who not only redeemed them once from Egypt, but also as the God who delivered them daily from hunger and need and sought a living relationship with His people. The Torah prescribes the eating of certain sacrifices, such as the Passover lamb and the peace offerings, as a step of participation in the redemption signified by these sacrifices. Who can forget the important role played by the gleaning, eating, and harvesting of grain in the redemptive love story of Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz? In the time of the early prophets, 1 Kings 17 recounts the salvation of Elijah from the drought and famine in Samaria, which was brought on by his word at God's command. God sent him to a special hiding place by the cherith brook, which continued to flow for a long time despite the drought and sent ravens to bring Elijah food every day. Once the brook dried up, God sent Elijah to a widow and her son in Zarephath, in Lebanon, on the very day that she and her son were about to eat their last meal and then die of starvation. Elijah asked her to make him bread with the last of her flour and oil, and when she did so, God rewarded her faith by multiplying her food supply so that it was enough for all three of them for the duration of the famine. Not only did this multiplication bring her the physical redemption of living through the famine, but it also brought this non-Jewish family to the experiential knowledge of the one true God. In 2 Kings 2, verse 19-22, through 22, Elisha purified the bitter water of the city of Jericho through the power of God by throwing salt into it. In this way he delivered the residents of the city from the death and miscarriages that their water was causing. Then in Second Kings 4 appears the story of how a widow and her sons were redeemed from being sold into slavery to pay off their debts when they cried out to God and Elisha. Elisha told them to collect all the empty jars they could borrow and to start pouring oil, which was a staple both for light and for food, into them. God miraculously multiplied the oil so that it filled all the jars and they sold it to pay off their debts and to redeem themselves. Isaiah 55, verse 1 through 3 summarizes the Tanakh's approach to God's desired salvation and redemption of Israel with this metaphor. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourself in rich food. Incline your ear, and come to me. Hear that your soul might live, and I will make you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Yeshua spent an enormous amount of his ministry eating with people, giving parables and teachings about food and doing food-related miracles. Almost all of his food miracles were intended to be signs of the coming of the kingdom of God and the messianic age. To this purpose, there are many passages in which Yeshua multiplied food, such as the feeding of the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish in Matthew 14, or the feeding of the 4,000 with seven loaves and a few fish in Matthew 15 were the two instances in which he miraculously gave the disciples an enormous catch of fish on nights when they had not managed to catch anything on their own, in Luke 5 and John 21. His very first miracle was the changing of the water to wine at the wedding in Cana, in John 2, verse 1-11. through 11. Besides providing for the physical needs of those present, It seems that all of these miracles of plenty were also meant to be signs of the overflowing abundance of the messianic redemption Yeshua brought into the world. In John 4, verse 13 through 14, Yeshua describes his redemptive work to the Samaritan woman at the well by telling her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty forever. The water that I give him will become in him a sprink of water welling up to eternal life. Besides eating and drinking with sinners and tax collectors in order to bring his good news of forgiveness to them, he talked a lot about the kingdom of God as an eschatological banquet, the wedding feast of the Lamb. In Matthew 8 verse 11, he describes the kingdom this way, I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Finally, we arrive to Yeshua's last Passover, during which he bade his disciples to participate in a special messianic meal, as a symbol of his redemption of Israel and the world. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise he took the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. So significant was this meal, that even after his ascension, Yeshua's followers continued to meet together daily in the book of Acts to break bread together, in a celebratory meal to commemorate the redemption that came through his death and resurrection. These are only some of the many examples of the connection between food and redemption in the Bible. Of course, there are many situations of redemption in the Bible that have no relation to food, and many times in which eating has no connection to redemption. The scarlet thread of redemption and the bread line do not always run together, but there are many important occasions in Scripture in which these two themes do meet and enhance one another, so that we can better understand and appreciate the richness of God's plan for the physical and spiritual redemption of His people. One beautiful example of the realization of the important connection between physical and spiritual redemption within Jewish tradition appears in the prayer, Birkat Hamazon, Grace After Meals, that is supposed to be said after every meal that includes bread. Let us conclude with two paragraphs from this ancient and meaningful prayer that begs for both physical provision and complete redemption we thank you O lord our god because you have given to our forefathers as a heritage a desirable good and spacious land and took us out of the land of egypt and redeemed us from the house of bondage and for your covenant which you sealed in our flesh and for your torah which you taught us and for your statutes which you made known to us and for the life grace and loving-kindness, which you granted us, and for provision of food, with which you nourish and sustain us constantly, in every day, and in every moment, and in every hour. Have mercy now, O Lord our God, on Israel your people, and on Jerusalem your city, and on Zion the resting place of your glory, and on the kingship of the house of David, your Messiah, and on the great and holy house upon which your name is called. Our God, our Father, tend us, nourish us, sustain us, support us, relieve us. O Lord our God, swiftly relieve us from all our troubles. Please, O Lord our God, do not make us needful of gifts from human hands or of loans, but rather only from your hand, which is full, open, holy, and generous, that we may not feel shame nor be humiliated forever and ever. Nativia www.netivyah.org.